welcome to Minister Lisa podcast. My name is Elizabeth Akunili. Like you already know, my job is to help you live audaciously, especially in the area of your calling. Last week, I spoke extensively about background and trauma. We had a live Instagram session on Thursday. Then we had the podcast series on Friday at 5 a.m. While the Instagram live was for 7 p.m. Yeah, so just one day apart, Thursday, Friday. Today, I'm going to talk about the comparison trap. So if you haven't listened to yesterday's IG live, all you need to do is go watch the replay on my Instagram. Search for our minister Lisa or search for Elizabeth Akunyeli. Today, I'm talking about the comparison trap. The comparison trap is really tricky because many times we look outside for people who compare us to other people. Mm-hmm. So today I'm coming for you as usual. I usually come for you, not the people, because if I sort you out, you will sort out the people. Um, years ago, I heard my coach and mentor say to me that if you can deal with the internal problems in a relationship, the external problems cannot break you apart, right? Because two of you will be fighting against the external problems together, as opposed to if you were fighting inside one hand and fighting outside one hand. That's stressful. Okay. So let's talk about how we compare ourselves. Just like we spoke about backgrounds and trauma last week, many of us come from a place of constant comparison. Our parents always compared us to our elder ones, compared us to our younger ones, compared us to our neighbors. Can't you see how social person keeps our hair? Can't you see the way social person works? Can't you see how many A's social person had? Wasn't this person in your class? Wasn't that person this? Wasn't that? And so what has happened is we are constantly in this place where we're checking who is doing it better than me? Who is up the game better than me. Hold up, before you conclude your parents are the cause of your problems, there is a biology to comparison. I think I taught this maybe like two years ago. There's the biology of comparison. There's a biological reason why you compare yourself. So among humans, what am I saying? Among living things, the stronger you are, the more chances of survival you have. That's why you have weeds alongside your plants and you take out the weeds so that they don't compete with your plants. You're trying to reduce the competition going on, right? So because plants are not like you who can say, oh, look at me, I'm not flourishing, but that weed is flourishing, so I'm going to die. Because they can't do that, they still end up growing side by side, even though there's tough competition going on around them. However, when you begin to come into the animal kingdom, you notice that animals with social behaviors like humans tend to have social classes as well. They tend to propose to their partners, maybe not in the elaborate way we propose one knee on the ground, but they do propose, they do have some form of shows where they show off their strength or they show off their beauty or something to attract a potential partner. Right, now in having to do that, when you have to outshine everybody, it becomes important that you pay attention to everybody. Do you understand? You will pay attention to everybody because your goal is to outshine everybody. Your goal is not to present your best self because if your best self is your neighbor's worst self, it doesn't help you. You have to outshine them. In order to outshine them, you need to know the degree of their shine first. Right. That's where comparison comes in. Now, when we win in social circles, when we have the top hierarchy, when we are accorded the extra respect, when we are giving the extra salary, when we are giving the extra honor of employee of the month, there is what is called um, serotonin. Serotonin is a hormone that comes with high achievement. In particular, it comes with significance, the feeling of being significant. I've seen significance play out 
in the most awkward of places. Like when I'm having group conversations, and I don't even mean group therapy. I'm just talking about group chit chats with people. And we're talking about how this person had like a really traumatic experience or a really terrible background. I find people at the table arguing whose life is worse than the other. At first, it used to get me pissed until I started sitting at some tables as a therapist and I can notice, oh my God, this person is playing for significance right now. They need to feel like they are the most terrible so that everybody can give them the most sympathy in the room because if they have the most sympathy in the room, everybody's going to rally around them and give them something they possibly will need. That's why people throw pity parties. It looks like the opposite, but it's the same thing. This is my theory. This is my personal theory. This is not what my bosses or the orgas at the top have said. This is my personal theory. It's a degree of significance you are chasing that makes you throw pity parties. The more significant you are in a group, the higher your chances of leading the group, the more visible you will possibly be. The more visible you are, the more options you have. So for example, say I'm running an NGO in Nigeria, nobody really knows. And then I apply for Mandela Washington and I get Mandela Washington out of the 10,000 people who applied all over Africa. They pick me among the people who are going for that fellowship. That makes me feel significant. When I get to Mandela Washington, it exposes me to people who have higher information. And because I have that higher visibility, Mandela Washington puts me on their website. Other people begin to check me out and check out my NGO. Other people want to be associated with me. Other people sent me funding. Now my NGO will not die because I have higher funding. I have more significance. I am at the top of a hierarchy. Can you see that it's biologically wise that you want to compete? Yes, some of you listening to me right now say, but me, I'm the opposite. I don't like to be invisible. Can I shock you? Being invisible is also an attention thing. Hope you know. If everybody is sitting at a table and you're missing at the table, we'll look for you. I need you to understand that significance is not a function of being extroverted. You can be very introverted and command a lot of respect. The Bible says that if a foolish person keeps quiet, they would assume he's wise. So first off, get it off your mind that because you're an introvert, you're not a significant person. That's not true. As a matter of fact, the world has been found to honor people who are quiet at the table. There are times when people attempt to bully them. But when push comes to shove, when we need to take concrete decisions, sometimes we're tired of hearing the guy who is loudest at the table, even though there's the place of being loud at the table though. So you're not insignificant because you're quiet. I just needed to touch on that quickly and then return to this conversation. Can you realize now why being significant, why competing is something that appeals to you? It appeals to you at an animalistic level. It appeals to you at a basic biological level. Because the more significant you are, the more your social chances, the chances of even finding a romantic partner. Have you realized, let me say something funny that church people will understand. Have you noticed that choir people have a possibility of dating faster than everybody? People in choir and ushering. It's funny, but those are visible units. If your church is lucky to have a prayer unit that is very public, like my prayer unit in my first was public. My prayer unit in my first was so significant. Literally, we used to bully the whole fellowship. But I mean, that's a conversation for another day. But really, if you are in choir, we see you every day. Especially if you know how to rock your uniform. We see you. We know you. We know your favorite colors because we notice your nails when you raise your hands. You don't know we see you, but we see you. If you're someone who goes to minister in churches as a guest minister a lot, we see you. We know you. We follow you online. 
If you are in protocol or you are in ushering department, we see you every Sunday, the way you smile at us and wave at us with your placard. We see you. In fact, that's why people tend to accuse people in those units of being carnal in court because they are more visible. And that's why people tend to look at people in prayer units and in sanitation like they are holier because they are invincible. And so we feel like, oh, these people are more spiritual. They chose a unit where nobody sees them. That's not necessarily true. So every man, according to his gift and according to his calling and anointing, right? But there's a reason we see these people more. They are in a position to be seen. You biologically need to be in a position to be seen. That's why no relationship coach you talk to will advise you to lock yourself inside your house. Everywhere I turn, especially leading Romance Cafe has taught me that if you cannot afford to go out because you work from home, you do a lot of in-house projects like I've been doing in this season of my life. Join a dating site. Pick a day in a week where you go out. You must network. You must go out. You must reach out. Social hierarchies are important. But according to your calling, according to your calling, according to the anointing of God upon your life, social hierarchies are not how you step into your assignment. That's not how you step into your assignment. So Lisa launched the podcast. Then she named it Better Me with Lisa. Then she registered the company. But the company was a breakout of another vision. Then she moved out and registered this. Then she went into therapy full time. Then she finally launched her styling business. So now she has this other business and the counseling business. Then she has this Christian community. Oh, so Lisa did that. So I'm going to go ahead and do it. You will fail. Because that's not how your root was anointed. That's not how you were anointed to journey. That's not how you were anointed to move. I've spoken about Joel to Amidi. Amida doesn't jostle or break ranks. The person at the back is not saying, oh, I have to be with the guy in front. I have to be leading too. Those things come because you're comparing. Comparison is why you keep feeling like you are inadequate. Because you're looking at someone who is on page 200. And you're on page 2 and you're feeling like you're not doing anything. Comparison will not let you show up audaciously. Because every time you want to show up, you will not remember how this person is big. You cower again. You cower in timidity. You cower in fear. You shrink. You shrink because you feel you're not enough. Let me give you a good example. A good example all of you can relate with. So Audacious Course and Coaching Program is coming. I'm launching out in a week time. So if you haven't checked it out, please go do that. Please go do that. www.ministerliza.xyz is supposed to be 70000 But the discount price is lesser than 30000 I won't tell you. Go check it out on my website. It's my birthday package. So go check it out on my website. www.ministerliza.xyz. That's the landing page once you get on the site. When I was working on that program, there's a part of the page, when I was working on the sales page rather, there's a part of the page that says numbers speak. I was tempted to take out that part, but I left it there so I could make this analogy today. Numbers speak. And I recorded how I have over 80 published podcasts, two businesses, 18 plus team members. As a matter of fact, that's minus the people I am mentoring. I had launched out some courses. Some of them have sold. Some of them didn't. Come on. They're like this. I've had over 600 clients. When I was done with this part of the page, I stood up to do something. And then I remembered a few people for some odd reasons. Their names just flew past my mind about how these people don't have this number of content published. They don't have this number of clients, but they've cashed out in millions. And instantly I felt this air of smallness. 
I suddenly started comparing myself to them. Like some of these guys are my G's. Some of these guys have done business with me. I've interacted with some of these guys. We are cool together. We will sit at the same table and you will give us the same respect. You will accord us the same degree of honor. But I don't have the money they have. Or I didn't as at the time I was working on the page. And I almost felt too small to continue. Comparison is a trap because we do it to ourselves. It's not what other people say to us, it's what we do to ourselves. We just look at someone else and say, I don't have what so-so person have, but has. But we don't look at what we have that that person doesn't have. We don't look at where this person is. We don't look at how long it took them to get there. We just conclude that we don't have what they have. Therefore, we are not doing something right with our lives. Comparison is a thief of time, like they say. My only ambition, as I when I started Better Me with Lisa, my only ambition was to help my clients to compete with who they used to be the day before they listened to me. And that's what my ambition is on today's episode. That the only person you will compete with is the person you used to be yesterday. That the only person you will compare yourself to is the person you used to be 30 minutes before you listen to this podcast. I hope I've been able to help you. If you have any questions, please ask them in my DM on Instagram, Twitter, and Minister Lisa. Go to my website, www.ministerlisa.xyz. Until Thursday when I catch you on Instagram live, I hope I've been able to help you. Bye.